Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast after yet another sensational week for Ireland. This time, last week, we were boasting about a racing league win. This year, Ireland are boasting about an impressive rugby victory, which I cannot claim to know anything about, but I'm sure all the boys on this podcast that are about to contribute did watch the rugby on, was it Saturday night? I am joined, as always, by Kevin Blake, Brendan Duke and Tony Calvin to talk through all the week's events in the racing world. Quick check-in with the team. TC, how did you enjoy the rugby this weekend? Well, actually, I fell asleep before the Wales-Australia game last night. So I actually missed that. So I um, I must have been mindful of the fact we've got an 8 a.m. start. But when you said you had to do an 8 a.m. start because you're on a shoot, you didn't tell us it was a fucking grouse shoot. Otherwise, otherwise I'd have insisted at midday. <laughs> it is not a grouse shoot, obviously. Oh, right. I, I just like to point out that despite my the way I sound and my posh voice, I've actually mm. never been on a shoot. I've never held a gun and I've never been into shooting anything living. So, you know, just bear that in mind. I, I, Brendan, you don't strike me as a man that's into shooting of any type, pheasant or otherwise. Uh, no, I've I, I, I've never been on a sheet. A sheet. Uh, actually, uh, as the woman who I would go to, and perhaps I'm, I'm judging you by your accent, for our insights into the upper echelons of English society, can you comment on rumours that Fortnum and Mason are opening a branch in Golden County Tipperary on the back of the money that's swishing around the area at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, you know. They're, they're one of those brands that like to branch into odd places. Kevin Blake would support Fortner Mason's. Bet you'd love a Fortner Mason Hanson hamper, wouldn't you? Kev? No, I, I, I think Brendan might have been more so referring to Paddy Toomey, my neighbour, who is all of a sudden very flush. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're literally side by side mm. him, aren't you? I just can imagine that you'd go to a Fortnum shop and, you know, spend a few quid. Yeah, I'm finding it very hard to think Brendan Duke's never wielded a shotgun, but we'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's move on indeed, because Paddy Toomey and others, we have plenty to discuss before I go on my filming shoot in about an hour's time for what it's worth, everyone. Uh, But we'll kick on. Obviously, ITV's main focus on Saturday was up at air for the Air Gold Cup and their big meeting up there. And we will start up there, boys, because we saw Royal Rhyme win up there, the listed Duneside Cup for, again, Carl Burke, another Saturday, another big Carl Burke performance. And this time, Royal Rhyme has now been cut to 16-1 to 1 for the champion stakes off the back of this win. Uh, is that farcical, Brendan Duke, thinking about him as a champion stakes horse at this stage? Well... I sort of thought it was because you think, well, yeah, I mean, he looked the group horse in a handicap uh, when he won in Doncaster. It was good to see him make the step up yesterday to listed company, granted, but uh, he ran out a very impressive winner from 110 rated horse, granted 110 rated horse who achieved those ratings and handicaps. Uh, so may, maybe a slightly inflated uh, rating, but Royal Rhyme, an, an unexposed horse, clearly a horse going places. I thought he settled better in air than he did in Goodwood, which would make sense. A horse uh, d- d- developing his skills uh, as, as a racehorse. And you think, well, he's in the champion stakes, but he's got a handicap to a listed. There's no way that they're going to take up their option here. But then I had a little look. I had a little look at the champion stakes betting, Vanessa. And uh, I know on, on this pod, we have an anti-post maven. 
and indeed a race planner. And from, from my point of view, Bay Bridge up up the, the top of the bed going in the arc, Horizon Door that'll that, that'll almost certainly run. That should be fab. So that, that that there's your standard setter. What have we got? Ace Impact uh, in the arc, Mostadaf, uh, very ground dependent, probably won't run. The Rodan Californication, he probably won't run. And so you're looking at this uh, this this horse, this Royal Royal Rhyme. And Kyle Burke must feel like he can walk on water with the season he's having. And he might just look at this race if it cuts up the way it possibly could cut up and say, we'll, we'll, we'll have a go. It might be the strongest group one in the world. And dare I suggest that Al Riffa is also in the race and, and, and he's in at a, a, a big price. And he would, uh, if you got the normal ground, you get an ascot for champion stakes. But his knee actually, you'd think he'd love that ground. I wonder, is the boy Blake having half a th- thought about the champion stakes? Because he would be a bet if we thought he was going to run. Kevin? Uh, no, no, I don't think he's going to make oh. it, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Up even yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. No, you'd love to, but I don't think he'll make it, unfortunately. It sounds like you're going to double down, then. I'll go rhyme after that. Well, I, 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 I agree I, with that. I, yeah. I, I, agree. I mean, uh, Betfair are keeping him on side at 16 to 1. There are bigger prices out there. And I don't think it's the worst bet in the world, given the way the race looks likely to cut up. Mm-hmm. TC, have you looked at? Were you saying earlier you've looked at the champion stakes a little bit? I suppose you must be on the same page, given the way yeah. Brendan's dissected that. Yeah, on the um, before Baybridge won at Kempton, uh, I had to look at the champion stakes. Obviously, Baybridge won it last year, and I just thought I was a bit of a smart. So I backed him at tens before he won at Kempton. Then he, they cut him to sevens at Sportsbook, and I thought, yeah, game on because I can't see what's going to run in it. Uh, very much like Brendan, but. Then they came out over the weekend and the silly bastards are going to go for the arc just because it won a Mickey Mouse mile four race at Kempton. So they think it's going to stay. So, no, um, I just hope Carl Burke still got the uh, rule Ryan by the time it comes around to the champion stakes because <laughs> the owner, he's a bit, he's a bit <laughs> he, who, he who must be obeyed. Yeah. Oh, nicely done. Who's more fickle, him or Team Ammo, TC? Team Ammo, no offers. Obey the thousands, and that gives you some indication about how unloyal old Keir is. I just teed that up for you deliberately. I knew you'd give me something good back. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to mildly disagree, are they? Are they? Fair. Um, TC, let's stick with you. We had a few movement, movers for the big handicap at the end of the season. The Cesarich, uh, Grand Providence won over in Newmarket for the Balding team. She looks a slow old boat, but she is progressing over these staying trips. And then, of course, Not So Sleepy won the Autumn Cup down at Newbury. Uh, terrific performance from the old boy. Both of them have been cut for the Cesarich. Did either of them attract your attention at 10 to 1 for the Mayor Grand Provenance or 12s for the old boy Not So sleepy who I don't know if he's actually going to go there now is he under a penalty um, obviously he's got form in that race and but he does go very well when fresh and he does like you know very testing ground so I'd wait to the day if you fancy not so sleepy ground problems I thought that was a decent trial going in but a couple of horses disappointed uh, not least campaign trail so none of those prices would uh, would tempt me in. Although I should say the sportsbook are trying to drum up some interest by going five places on that race already. So uh, no, none of those two would interest me. Well, okay. Grand Providence is, sorry, Vanessa, Grand Providence is absolutely fascinating because the Cesare, which didn't fill last year, and if uh, like she's a three-year-old getting in off 87 on her penalty and there's a Godolphin horse up the top of the weights, 
So if she ran and the Godolphin horse ran, she'd have seven stone seven. That's some throwback way. They'd have to resurrect a Dickensian chimney sweep to ride her. So I don't even know. Is there, is there any jockey that could do seven stone seven? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the minimum will be eight two. Uh, oh, okay. So they'd have to find someone to do eight two and to be out of the handicap. So, oh, oh, so that would be something for anti-post punters. I mean, she wouldn't get in if, in the normal average situation if the race failed, but it didn't fail last year for whatever reason. Interesting. Very interesting. And Kev, do you want to give a quick word to Not So Sleepy? You were on ITV on Saturday and, you know, just one of those, I mean, it's a cliche to say it for hardened punters who listen to this show, but it was a bit of a heartwarming performance from him and some effort from the yard at home and Huey Morrison's training operation to keep a horse like him just so into the game at this stage in his career. Yeah, because he has a, he has an old quirker five, doesn't he? Um, yeah. He's shown he's shown plenty over the years, so I'd imagine there's a fair bit of work that goes into keeping him sweet. And um, look, fair play, you know, the Cesare, which would have been an obvious target, ran well in it last year, and they've come here and won a seventy grand race with an eleven year old, um, which, which takes a bit of doing. Um, so uh, you're in bonus territory on the flat um, from here on. And sure, look. Uh, the way the hurdle division is going, he can probably finish second to Constitution Hill three or four times in Grade One this next, next this season, and um, they'll have a right old Beano with him, won't they? They'll have a good time of it, yeah, and good luck to them. We love to see stuff like that, especially on the flat. Um, let's talk about a few two-year-olds, two-year-old fillies to start with. There was a splattering of some pretty decent performances from the likes of Primart up at air, caught you looking for Noel Mead, won the Well Park Stakes on Sunday, uh, Beautiful Love as well over in Newmarket, but no one caught the eye more than one look for the aforementioned Paddy Toomey Yard uh, winning on debut. It's been well publicised by now in the Goffs Million, taking away upwards of 600k on debut um, and visually so impressive. The form seems to back it up as well. Everybody waxing lyrical about this filly. And on top of that, Brendan, she was punted as well. They knew what they had. Ah. What a day. <laughs> What a what a, what a boy Paddy Toomey is, yeah. The story just just grows and grows. They've had themselves a right there, and he was decent enough to to come on the telly beforehand and suggest that she might be the the the, the real deal. So uh, just just glorious work from 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 that outfit. And as as you mentioned, the form it does really stack up. Cherry Blossom was a little keen early, so maybe you could say she ran a fraction below her her best. But my mate Alfie. Uh, mid mid nineties, uh, Colt and Storm Miami mid nineties Philly. They sort of finished where they should have finished. She's absolutely hosed hosed up uh, the, the 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 one look, despite being a bit keen in the early stages herself, which is understandable on debut in such a big field scenario. But for her to be able to to, to cope in those conditions and and settle after a couple of furlongs and just come through with a withering run, she's got to run to at least a hundred. Even if you took the most pessimistic view of the form, she's run to a Hundred on, on on debut, um, and I mean she, she she should have no problem on pedigree with the yeah, with the Guineas trip. It'll be different ground in Newmarket, I suppose. That's a little wrinkle, but she she looks one of the most exciting two year old fillies in training. Oh, very exciting indeed. And great to see. I mean, people kind of like can be a bit negative about those sales races, but um, 
I love to see that sort of thing. Um, and it added a bit of intrigue to the card on Saturday at the Curra. Um, of the other fillies I've mentioned there, Kevin, just prime art, quick mention to her winning the Firth of Clyde again up at air where you were. And a 1-3 for the Irish trained horses over in England. So again, adding more weight to Brendan's regularly asked questions of where are the British-based two-year-olds, the good two-year-olds, because now the Irish are just coming and robbing races like the Firth of Clyde. Yeah, like Primark probably, if, if she'd been given a rating prior to this, like it probably would have been kind of mid-high 80s at best. I think she's um, 85 so, on the uh, Irish website I looked at. No, there you go, yeah. Um, so that, that kind of contextualises. But look, she has she has improved quite a bit. Um, beforehand, like uh, a, a fair few of these now, physically, some of the more fancied ones, like a real kind of here and now two year olds. Um, she's less so. Um, she definitely has a bit of scope and um, her pedigree is a very good pedigree going back along, actually. Um, back to um, she's a granddaughter of Imagine that won the Oaks and Horatio Nelson and all that family, very good family, middle distance primarily. So um, she should drive on. She should, she should certainly get a mile. Um, um, interesting ownership partnership um, bred by Baronstown, which is David Nagel, you know, well known as the breeder of Yates, etc. Um, Kevin Doyle, who isn't Kevin Doyle, the footballer, um, a Scottish golf course owner, I believe. Um, and yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what they do with her. Um, if they were of an inclination to sell her, um, she she'd make a fair few quid now. Um, but we'll wait and see. But this is a good solid performance. Fair play to Johnny for for having a go. Um, group three winner now. Nice bit of placing. Well done to all concerned. And Very she wasn't yeah. back either. Yeah, she was fifties at fifties in the morning. A nice little touch. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very, very well backed. Um, TC, what about just moving on to the two-year-old Colt? What about Array winning um, the Mill Reef? Obviously, down at Newbury, went off favourite in the end. Plenty of money for him, close to the off. I wasn't. I don't know if I expected him to go off favourite. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that race has too much relevance going forward. I. I took a okay. Spanish Phoenix at 20s, 5s and 20s, and that should have won. Uh, I was honestly, my form at the moment, I can get any, I can get fucking Frank will be. Uh, <laughs> it uh, wasn't one of James Doyle's best rides. Trouble in behind in a six-runner race, flew at the finish, beating just about half a length and should have probably won, but that race going forward, I know it's race on heavy ground and they might improve for a better surface, but... I don't think it has any relevance going forward in the two-year-old division. Um, Messi, I'll race that seven questions. Got a rotten spin around as well. Um, yeah. Very, very congested near side. And the uh, array and, and and Mr. Sketch were kind of pole position, weren't they? Um, yeah, if you're at it again next week, I'd say you get a fairly different result. Well, Tony's worries about the relevance of the race going forward are kind of backed up with the market, given that Array was just cut from 25 to 20s for the middle park off the back of that performance, would probably need to step forward from that. And like the boys have said, a pretty messy race in behind. Of the other two-year-old Colts, we should mention Brendan uh, Gaspar de Lemos up uh, over at the Curra as well. This one for the Aidan O'Brien team has been cut for the Dewhurst. Another mm. Justify Colt looks like mm. him too in terms of sort of scope and that big strong chestnut vibe about him um, but looks a real middle distance prospect cliche I know to say but he did keep, catch a lot of people's eyes so it's worth mentioning 
Definitely worth worth mentioning. Um, I'm not sure about the the Dewhurst. I think Aidan mentioned the the futurity in, in Doncaster after the race. He's also in the Royal Lodge. And uh, looks at looks an obvious horse for for a mile as a two year old. A real strong stay in performance. He was off the bridle a long way out. Now it may have been greenness, of course, on just the second start, but he showed uh, plenty of tenacity anyway. And the 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 Weld horse that finished second had run to a reasonable level on debut, so it could be decent form. He's an interesting horse uh, from a pedigree point of view the Gasper the dam is a full sister to none other than Alice Springs so it's the speedy Galileo uh, side of things the dam the furthest she ever went was an extended nine furlongs but she's still she's by Galileo it's there somewhere you've got justify up top there must be a legitimate chance that this horse stays a mile and a half and he's a very interesting middle distance prospect for next year as you say yeah we better mention ask you Oh, I was just going to ask you, Kev, about the third that um, in that race. Noni never caught a few people's eyes. Looks like a nice horse. Obviously, that was just his debut and sort of sensitive handling. But I thought he looks like one for the future. Would that be a correct guess? Yeah, lovely starting point. Um, look, was was beaten a little way, but looks obvious scope to improve. So hopefully drive on and, and be tough to beat in the maiden next time. Um, one that, that I think we definitely should mention is Deep One. Um, Paddy Toomey's other one, the, the one that yeah. bears for it. Um, I, I like him. I've liked him from the get-go, really. Um, he's been leading the way for for study of man. Um, son of deep impact, first runners this year. Wouldn't have been expected to get lots of sharp two-year-olds, and, and this fella's been the best from so far, but um he'd been beaten behind Diego Velasquez at Leopardstown um under a, a more restrained ride. Um, so they, they didn't mess about this time. They jumped out, made much of the running, and ultimately won very well. So, um, like on pedigree, he's going to stay a mile and a half, surely. So, like he, he would rate as quite a smart prospect, I'd say. And uh, anyone that is sweet on Diego Velasquez and or Capulet um, will will have been happy to get that form boost. Is that, tell you what, that really did underline. I know it's kind of everyone knows it, but it's like Paddy Toomey's such a thinking trainer. You know, he's got a 29% strike rate, et cetera. So that's pretty much taken for granted. But he saw a pace angle there and he took advantage of it. Um, and I just love the fact that the Paddy Toomey horses are, are always kind of like, they're always thinking like that. And they're all, if they if they go in, they're normally always back to on the show as well. So they they take their time and then smash it. Do you remember, it reminded me of um, Just Beautiful when she beat Jumbly back early in the season when Just Beautiful was smashed up on the show, made all, didn't see another horse. And it's, you know, there was deep, it wasn't as big a gamble on deep one, but you were still kind of like knocked in on the show at half a point or so and a bit bigger on the exchange. And it's just, they just see an angle and then go for it. And like I said, it's, uh, that's what you want from a trainer. You just want not only for them to train the horses, but to use their noggin. Absolutely. Um, all hail Paddy Sumi. Love to see it. Uh, of the others, performances from the weekend, TC, is there anything else in terms of market movers? We saw the likes of Go Atletico win the Renaissance Stakes. He's been uh, cut to eight to one for the Abbey. We saw Balance play win a good handicap down at Newbury. Uh, he's been cut for handicaps. Wob, wob, wob won the Silver Cup. Bit of a punt. Popmaster winning the listed race at Newbury on Friday and significantly, of course, worth a mention, winning the Air Gold Cup. But that's just to rattle through some of the other performances. In terms of anything to note from this point going forward for those horses or others over the weekend, TC? Uh, no. 
negative. Uh, same question to you, Brendan. Anything else you want to flag up? We're rattling through the race performances because mm. we've got so many topics to get to uh, this week on Wade In. So just anything else you'd like to mention? You've got free reign, Brendan. Okay, well, a shout-out to Caught You Looking and a shout-out indeed to Noel Mead, who's uh, done very well on the the, the, the flat this season. I mean, that looks like proper form. Um, it, 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 Kevin's mentioned before how difficult it is to win to win maidens in uh, in Ireland. So, so she won one of these restricted maidens in Leopardstown. I can't remember if it was a, a, an auction maiden or something to do with median sire price or something. But yeah, anyway, it was an auction, auction maiden, yeah. And actually, she she won, and Stromberg was second. And Stromberg did, did disappoint in the Bearsford at the weekend, but I, I I hope he's better than that. He's certainly a, a very fine stamp of a horse. Anyway, uh, she bolted up in that in, in that Leopardstown maiden, and then pitched into uh, Group Group Company here against Rakti, who carried the form the Vespertilio form from the debutant. So that looks like proper form and ran her down. Well, it was a good battle between the two of them, but but caught you looking one on a third, on her third start. She's by Harzan, which should give you real hope that she probably shouldn't be achieving what she is at this stage of her two-year-old career. And she's 33 to one for the the, the kidneys. I'd say there's worse. Uh, Again, she has to prove herself on the likely quicker ground that she'll get in new market. But if she was able to handle it, there's probably worse 33 to one shots. I'd say that's uh, that that form from uh, uh, Sunday is for real. I um, I was looking at the uh, the racing on the TV at the Curra, and obviously it was filthy weather. Would I be right in thinking you assumed your paddock duties were in watching uh, golf, the the Solheim Cup in the bar? Were you? You 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 you, you, you would. I'm starting <laughs> to think you're, you're you're like my phone, and you're tracking my every movement, Sally. But uh, yes, there were a few wrinkles this weekend. I disgraced myself on Saturday by being late for my rendezvous for a lift, so I didn't do any paddock judging this weekend. I'm absolutely useless. I shouldn't be led on the show. You're fair with oh a paddock God. judge. Fair yeah, weather, yeah. I was just about to say. Poor showing, Brendan. Poor um, good to flag up, caught you looking now for the non-mead yards. It's been good. It's a good weekend, actually, for two-year-old, yeah, Philly performances this weekend. Uh, Kevin, last word to you on racing review section. Anything else you want to mention or flag up otherwise? Yeah, Kaji Luckin was the one I was going to mention as well. Um, fair right. play to them. Like on a number of fronts, um, like they, they bought her as a yearling for twenty seven grand at a time when Pearl Harzand was dead in the water. Um, <laughs> I think they might. I think they might have already announced that he was going national hunt, um, this year. So to go and give twenty seven grand for a filly by him, like I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it, but it, it probably was at the time. Um, for a sire that that was gone so dead. Um, and. Fair play to them. Like she, she won her maiden. They would have been offered an awful lot of money. Um, they didn't take it. They rolled the dice. Now they have a Group Three winner. If they want to sell her, they can get Ireland for her because um, being by Harris and um, like who just doesn't get two year olds um, out of a master craftsman mare. Like God, she's going to be ten furlong plus filly next year. And if she can do what she's doing now at seven furlongs, um, like Brendan says, you'd be you'd be. Be pretty excited about her now, so so well done to all concerned. Great to see it. Just very quickly, right. should mention McGallan Straight traded at a, oh, yes, a bet for SP of 310. <laughs> so, where money in that, Kevin? Yeah. Thanks for telling us about him, by the way. That was really helpful of you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's funny. Like you, you can't talk about these things after the event without sounding like a smart arse. Like, but he would have been he would have been very fancied for the for the Ascot Stakes. He was trained for the Ascot Stakes. Uh, all season and he missed out by one and didn't get in um, so it kind of set his season a bit awry um, and 
look, he, he he's funny. Like some days he, he just doesn't fancy it. And his first start after that, he just never went a yard, um, stuck blinkers on him, went to Leopardstown, ran, ran very well. You know, form ties in with Jesse Evans, who was stuck in the finish at this as well. And if, if you watch the race, um, Magellan Strait kind of stayed on the rail and two that beat him kind of swept very wide at Leopardstown. I think that might have been the thing to do on the day. Um, now went to Galway and ran absolutely motherless, um, didn't like the track at all. So it would have taken a bit of imagination now to, to go with him. But he's just so slow. He's just a real stayer. Um, his dam is Lagos to Vegas. Remember Lagos to Vegas? She won the Ascot Stakes herself. Um, and he's just really slow. And um, you'd love to, to train him for the Ascot Stakes again next year. He should get in next year now off his revised rating. Um, but that's just him. He's just really slow um, and brilliant for Hugh Horgan. Um, who is um, he, he's Joseph's first cousin, actually, son of Trevor Horgan, who ri- who would have um, ridden heaps of winners for for Aidan O'Brien in the, the early part of his career, and um, he he's improving all the time. A typical Joseph apprentice, he's kind of he's he's keeping a grip of him. He doesn't let him go wild and ride winners everywhere. But this was by far the biggest win of his career. So fair play to him. It was a a, a result that put a massive smiles on all of the team. Everyone's related to everyone in Ireland, doesn't it? You might as well just like get the job done and sleep to the sleep with the person standing next to you at any given point. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit like national hunt racing over here, actually. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, in, in industries generally, Tony, proximity counts. If we have learned anything from uh, Christa Berg and Arnold Schwarzenegger, it is that in matters of the heart, proximity counts. That's uh, why I've been the, held the, back the, in my career. I'm not close to anyone important. Not close enough. God damn it. Um, Let's move on, guys. We've got news section to discuss, please, and plenty of topics, hence why I've rattled through the racing review. Uh, We will kick off with the news that broke good six days ago, or maybe seven days ago now. So it's slightly old news, but of course, Constitution Hill sticking over hurdles instead of going chasing. And Tony, I'm going to start with you because nobody is shocked here. And what I what I'm really hoping we don't have throughout the course of the national hunt season is you telling me that Constitution Hill winning Grade Ones is boring. Is that going to happen? Um, yeah, probably. But God know, damn it! Did anybody really think they were going to go chasing? I mean, um, maybe they considered it. But if we are, <laughs> hanging no, our no, hat, they didn't. <laughs> if we are hanging our hat, if we are hanging our hat on one horse racing three times over fences in the season to rescue a national hunt campaign, we better as well just fucking give up and go home, aren't we? Um, I couldn't give a shit if he stays hurdling or goes over fences. Oh, God, TC, you are in fiery It's going to be tens on in every hurdle race. If he went novice chasing, it'll it'll scare off everything, be racing against two horses, there'd be tens on over fences. I mean, no, don't care. (laughs) No, don't care. No. Straight up, no, don't care. Kevin, you... I do care. I do care, right? He is a superstar. I enjoy watching him. He's an easy horse for the wider public to get attracted to because he's so flamboyant and he's flash in what he does. Um, he's owned by a great guy. He's trained by a legend. He's ridden by a quirky character in Nico. There's loads to like from a wider sort of 
PR sense when it comes to Constitution Hill. People love an unbeaten record. It's an easy sell. And I'm here for it. I'm going to enjoy this season. I'm not being miserable like TC. He's not unbeaten. He got chinned in a point to point. Sorry, of course, yeah. Unbeaten. Uh, did, did, didn't like didn't like defences, Tony. That's yeah, why yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah. Um, it looked like yeah, a non-stayer that day to me as well, actually, in that point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Look, look, I'd actually be, be not dissimilar to Tony, actually, because look, you want you want brilliant horses, clearly, and he is a brilliant horse. He's potentially um, one of the best herders ever, but we're just in such bad shape in national hunt racing in terms of competition that, uh, and now before the usual suspects, they all Blake down on Nicky Henderson as usual. You, if you rewound three, if you're out, if you rewound three years, I'd, uh, I'd, I was saying the exact same thing about Honeysuckle, like brilliant, wonderful, you know, unbeaten, great to see. But when they decided to say hurdling rather than go chasing, you just, I, like I called it like literally this time of year, I said she's going to go for the, the, the Hatton's Grace, the Irish champion hurdle, champion hurdle in Punchestown. She's going to win them all the long odds on. It'll be wonderful for her connections, but it won't be very interesting because there's just no competition. And um, someone up, up at the back would be waving around going, Imperia passe, Imperia passe. And yeah, maybe mm. so. But um, the evidence so far suggests that the Constitution Hill is just in a in a, in a different league. Um, look, there was zero chance this horse was ever going chasing. And that's fine. You know, if, if, if we owned him, we'd probably do the same. But I think what winds people up is this whole, um, is the talk. I say, you know, oh, could he win a gold cup? Oh, we'll school him over fences and then decide. You know, like he, there was zero chance of him ever going racing. There was probably zero chance of him ever schooling over a fence. Um, and if Nicky okay. and the team just said back in April that, ah, lads, you know what we're like, we're a bit windy. He'll stay over hurdles and we can't wait to see him. You know, everyone would go, ah, fair enough. You know, we understand. But it's this whole teasing about the gold cup. And I think race on the flat was mentioned at one stage. It, ju- it just it just winds people up a bit because um, as much as the, 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 the magnificently loyal National Hunt fan base would like to pretend otherwise, we're actually like utterly starved of engaging action in the jump season. And um, and, and unfortunately, this this champion is going to ensure that the hurdle division is an absolute snooze fest for as long as he stays sound, because every smart novice that comes through is going to go novice chasing um, barter 15 hands high to avoid him. And, um, you know, all the nice, the other nice herders will be in Ireland. They'll tip away on their side of the sea, and you know, hopefully, we get a clash at Cheltenham. But um, as we know, it's a long way away. Things go wrong. Um, the usual bores didn't want us, didn't want, um, didn't want Constitution Hill to take on Honeysuckle when they were both sound and in at their peak when when Constitution Hill was a novice, and and we never got to see it. You know, so uh. um, yeah, sorry, I, I just then yeah, yeah, you know, you know me in national hunt racing now. I get a little bit. I get a Debbie little bit Downer. negative because because I, I do I I do we're not making uh, national racing for me only delivers about about twenty percent of its actual potential as a sporting spectacle at the minute because of the program and the way what, what's become normalised and everything else. And I'm sorry, I'm going to shut up because you'll probably be hearing this all winter, so I'm just going to leave it <laughs> there. Back to the flat, when, please. That the arc yeah. is next is this week. Come on. I know. Can you believe the arc is this week, by the way? And that whole meeting, which is just so good over at Longshot, I cannot believe how quickly that is crept up on us. Boring um, myself already. 
Brendan, last word to you on Constitution Hill. We've had two views from Debbie Downers that I can completely see their side of it. I suppose mm. the point is, is there's a difference between an interesting betting heat, which none of Constitution Hill's races are going to be, versus a sort of spe- an enjoyable spectacle to watch. They're two very different things. And I guess I'm in the latter category. Yes, uh, yeah, I mean he is. He's just just a, a beautiful horse. We've spoken about him before. Everything he does, uh, he's, he's such a professional. He's, he's such an exuberant jumper. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I, I I was surprised. I just thought everything would defect to chasing. But Imperial Pass is hanging around to to, to to add a bit of interest. And just uh, very briefly, the gammonry. I mean, what about this schooling session? So there was never a schooling <laughs> session. Why did why why did they why did they have to say that? Like if they decided that it was because they didn't see the stamina in in Aintree, that there was no point in going chasing. Why why drag it out? I mean, I'm I'm repeating what Kevin said, but it does a lot of gammonry. Though, did they just had a schooling session? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 do, do, do you know? Do, do you know the uncomfortable reality here is that this horse was jumping fences three years ago. He didn't need to I have know, a schooling I session know. now to tell us if he can jump fences or not. He literally raced over them two and a half years ago. Oh, they're no. a t- Brendan. They're, they're just the tease. They're a tease, and everyone mm. everyone hates a tease. Ultimately, yeah. But, but they, they say, but but the connections they were saying, oh, people will be whining, etc. They're whining because because of the way you you guys carry on. Like if you were just honest <laughs> and say, look, he's staying over hurdles. Look, he's staying over hurdles. We want him over hurdles. Grand. No All one's right. gonna fuss. No one's gonna fuss and foos. You know, we understand. But just fuss don't be whining us up talking about gold cups. Okay, well, on, onwards we go because Kevin has got wound up. We'll give him a breather for a minute. TC, I want to pick up with you in regards to all things gambling commission, affordability checks and the racing post. The gambling commission asked for a letter to be published in the racing post. They declined to publish the letter because they had issues with what was said in the letter in regards to affordability checks. Can you add some meat to the bones to this little saga and the disgruntlement, I guess, between our trade paper and the gambling commission currently? It's just an absolutely bizarre situation, isn't it? When you've got a government organisation you know, picking a fight with a with a newspaper that sometimes only sells about seven thousand on on a on some on some days. It's it's an absolutely bizarre thing, you know, for for a, like I said, the gambling commission to do. Um, basically, they said they wanted to write a reply because the Racing Post coverage uh, is unbalanced, and as much as Tom Kerr and much as you know the Racing Post apologists will, will come out and say, well, that's not the fact. Um, well, actually, the Gambling Commission, for all that they they appear a very, very inadequate and pretty farcical organisation, um, I think they've got a very good point here. Um, we'll deal with that first and then we'll come on to the BHA, who just rolled out their right to bet survey. survey. Yeah. They, they did that on September the 22nd, and some people said that should have been done September the 22nd, 2000, uh, 2021, rather than 2023. But um, no, the Racing Post. Now, anybody who, who's who's read the Racing Post's daily stuff about affordability checks, I mean, they they know deep down it is deeply unbalanced and and very very much born in in self interest. I know any number of people who I speak to are in the industry, 
owners, trainers, and whatever, openly, or no, sorry, privately laugh at some of their coverage. You know, they're dragging out Mick Shannon, and you know, 87-year-old geezer saying how it's going to affect his betting and stuff like that. It's been pretty farcical. But the one specific point that I, I, I've been having private conversations with somebody who, who used to be very big in the horse racing betting forum, you know, the punters organization. And I was having the conversation with him and, and he just kind of like just died. The conversation just died to death. When I brought up the case of John Hughes, he's, he's got quite a good pro big profile. He's the, I think he's the founder of owners for owners. He's, he often gets, um, he often gets quite a, kind of like some big coverage around him and, there was an absolutely bizarre racing post front page story on September the 13th about how affordability checks, you know, were hammering him and his syndicates and how he was, he was just totally aghast at this and he's going to downgrade his dream by 50%. So, and so when, when that came out, he actually, he posted, uh, I'll actually refer to my notes here so I don't get this wrong. He actually tweeted a picture of the racing post front page. And this is what he said. Uh, about that. Um, sad, to, sad decisions to cut back national hunt horses by 50% over the next three years, but I no longer have confidence in racing's funding nor future plans. Not just gambling with you, premiumization will hit the grassroots owner hard. I'm fundamentally opposed to this very partial approach. Now, there was no mention of anything else apart from affordability checks being the trigger for, for that, for his decision in that Racing Post article. So I challenged him on Twitter um the day later on september the 14th and this is the response i got back he said i understand the emphasis emphasis given to the gambling review and appreciate the dossier you know that's quite a pointed thing to say they're assembling for mps in the gambling commission a trigger in my decision to cut back ownership 50 percent. there are others and i'll write a letter to the editor to explain about this now i haven't seen any subsequent letter i gather he's been on holiday but when he's saying the affordability checks were one of many decisions to cut back 50% on his national horses over the next three years, and I gather that that's not a big amount either, it just goes to show there was a total imbalance in the art, the front page that appeared there because no other, no other factors were actually kind of like given. So that's what we've got. We've got racing posts. It's going to massively affect their business model and affordability checks. And don't get me wrong. You know what? What you what what you've been hearing about affordability checks in the last, even in the last six months, are getting worse and worse and worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tom Kerr is quite happy to have a face-to-face conversation with me on any on anything you you want to give out. Totally unbalanced, the Racing Post. I've got no time for the Gambling Commission, but I've got no time for journalists who deliberately set out on an unbalanced, um, unbalanced kind of like editorial profile. It's it's just but but but, but well, 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 this is like this is a war. The first casualty of war is truth. We're in a war here with these bastards who <laughs> who completely misrepresent uh, things in terms of they say, oh, we didn't mandate affordability checks. Oh, I see you've let through a customer with gambling problems have too much on. There's a seven billion pound fine now because we, because we we can just do what do what we want. And then they say, oh no, it'll only affect three percent of com- customers willfully misrepresenting the figures, knowing that the vast majority of those 
of that 100% that they're quoting from are once a year punters. They're absolute wrong. So I salute the Racing Post. If they have to manipulate the truth a little bit, if it's a, if it's a little bit of propaganda, propaganda gets a bad press, but we need propaganda at the moment. These are bad days, Tony. I tell you, you'll have to yeah. get the shot. You'll have to get the shotgun out here, Brendan. But yes, the thing is, you've got you've got to rise above it. You've got to. You've no, got to... no, no! I mean, get down and dirty. Get down and dirty. They're going to win. You're going to win Kev. by any means necessary. <laughs> Last word to you on this, Kev. Obviously, uh, you know the Racing Post have admitted that it's campaign journalism, and but they're you know they're. They're coming from the point of view of their readers. Tom Kerr has said that they've had literally hundreds and hundreds of letters, I think even thousands. They obviously did a poll themselves. They did a survey themselves. And now the BHA have launched this online survey um, to the for the betting public, essentially, so that they can share their views on the Gambling Commission's proposal for affordability checks ahead of the Commission's deadline for a public response on the 18th of October 2023. The Racing Post, as I say, they're coming at it from the point of their viewers, their um, their readers, and their business model. Their mm. business model. The Nothing STC to do with hunters. It's about their business model. Yeah, I'm, if I'm, you want, if you wanted to be cynical, Vanessa, you could say you you, you could give. That view that you've just given, but they weren't. Uh, they weren't. They weren't. Um, they weren't campaigning too heavily on the issue of you know restrictions when when that really became a a real issue. You know, from whatever seven, eight, ten years ago. You know, they they were very silent on that. You know, when when the betting public probably did need a similar sort of campaign like they got in Australia. Um, so it, it's hard. It's hard not to be a little bit cynical that that um. That business interests are are um are at the forefront of considerations rather than um their their readership, dare I say. Okay. Um, Kev, let's stick with you and move on to the HRI. I had a board meeting last Monday, I believe, um, try and put together a strategy to make sure that racing remains on Irish screens. This is obviously all based around what the news we're waiting to hear from the Irish government in regards to um, gambling advertising on TV screens. We've been covering this on this show for the last few weeks and even months now. What is the update from HRI on this following their meeting last Monday? Yeah, this is really serious. Um, this is really serious because it seems um, it seems that um, James Brown is not returning. Um, oh, you know, and mul- multiple representations have been made. Um, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't sound like to me that 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 he's going to twist on it. Um, one would hope that some that someone or somebody will come in over the top of from over the top of him and give the thing a twist. But um, these would be pretty concerned now. You'd be pretty concerned that I think thoughts seem to be turning to right. Is there any way we can we can deal with this? Um, and and make um, the broadcasting of racing work in in what might be the new environment. Um, look, it's not going to happen. Um, if this indeed does pass into law, it's not going to come into place. Um, I heard on RT radio the other day until most likely twenty twenty six. Um, so the thought being that it will give everyone time to get whatever they need to put in place in place in time for that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty concerning stuff now. It may be it'll be game changing from a business model point of view for the for the racing channels, um, for terrestrial you know racing coverage on terrestrial TV. You'd imagine, um, 
pretty concerning. Um, we, we, you know, in Ireland, we often look over to England and say, geez, aren't they mad? God, isn't England gone mad? And now something like this happens on our doorstep. Um, it's pretty concerning stuff. Um, I always thought that we were maybe 10 years, I say we in Ireland, I thought we might be 10 years behind the sort of anti-gambling um, animal welfare arc that they're on in the UK. Um, but it seems we might not be that far behind at all, which is uh, which is pretty concerning. Is this uh, what... individual-led or is it government-led, do you think? Do you think um... there's one person who's the driver behind this rather than a collective will? Ah, we uh, dangerous to speculate now, but the 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 vibe is that the the minister in question feels extremely strongly about it, and is is very much pushing it through crusade style as best he can. Um, God knows there's enough, um, there's enough TDs that have stood up publicly and said that they're against this and they're they're lobbying to get it changed, but it seems that that um, the man behind it is is very, very strong in his views. Um, and he's doing his best to 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 push it through. So let's see how he gets on. But it's it's it doesn't seem like there'll be any turning in him. It's whether someone above him can can grab hold of him and twist him is the is the yeah. question, I'd say. Well we didn't um in fairness did did well I say we I thought we had our uh, the, our lobby in, in at the debate stage there wasn't much dissent for his this policy. There was one guy, James O'Connor. Uh, his family are involved in bookmaking. He mentioned that it might be a bit onerous on independent bookmakers. This, If you win two grand, you have to produce documents. That was the only thing. Everyone, the rural TDC would be obsessed with bingo. I don't know. Bingo must be an institution in rural <laughs> Ireland. They, they, well, actually, a horse, the horse racing industry is a true institution, but, but they're obsessed with bingo. That was all I could read about. There was a woman, Jennifer McNeil. She represents my constituency. This is a dreadful place in terms of right on people now. And she said that she tried to engage with the gambling industry and that she was disappointed with their response. Now, I wouldn't trust a word she said. This, like we, we, there was another guy. The, 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 the debate that went to committee stage, there's another guy, Aidan O'Reilly. Now, he's Labour, a communist. Oh, I'm, yeah, from, familiar with him. He, he He's not a friend of horse racing, that fella. No, no. He wanted a, <laughs> he wanted a blanket ban on, on advertising. Now, but, but again, I'm like Kevin. I'm like, like my understanding of Irish society and indeed Western democracies hangs by a thread here, Vanessa. I always thought we just we just put them all in one building together. They could talk about whatever rubbish they wanted. So they probably can't do any harm. But if they actually do some harm, then someone steps in and says, OK, lads, there the adults are in the building. We're going to fix it. But, but it doesn't look like that. Like that's how I mean, my worldview is in tatters here, Vanessa. But you know what the you know what you know the re, the really like the the almost if it wasn't so serious it'd be hilarious the irony of this of this whole legislation and the rhetoric behind it. Um, Ivan Yates made the point actually in the Race and Post a few weeks ago, and it was a very pertinent one. Um, you know they're they're going at gambling like this and holding it up as this um great social evil. What about the lottery, lads? You know the the. The lottery isn't going to be an exception to this. They'll still be allowed to advertise the lottery, to push it everywhere. You know, the lottery, if, you know, when, when you look into it, is the biggest rob of all time. Like the biggest tax. That's of the, the, the biggest tax of the ignorant in the whole country. And this is, this is, this is allowed to carry on and drive on because actually they give some of the profits to good causes, lads. That, that makes it okay, doesn't it? Um, I think it that just, was one of the. 
Yeah, that was definitely one of the things that when Willie Mullins was interviewed, didn't he bring up the lottery as well? Just being like... The scr- like scratch cards. Just, you can go, you can go into a mad. shop there and buy, buy, a fec- buy a hundred scratch cards if, if you're a degenerate, you know? And there's, there's right. no, there'd, be no, there'd be no stopping that. This is the third Let's, occasion on the show where the Brendan Duke shotgun is needed. Go on, Brendan. Get the shotgun out and go and see this geezer who's causing all the trouble. <laughs> We 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 started t- talking about Brendan Duke's shotgun, and we're going to continue. Um, on we go, Brendan. I will come to you because you couldn't shine any sort of light on the Luke Coma case, like none of us really can, because it's all still a mystery. But mm. this is far from over, because of course Luke Coma has announced that, as predicted, he's going to appeal his three-year ban he's received for the positive anabolic steroid test of twelve of his horses. But then the slightly alarming bit is that the well, not alarming, but the interesting bit is that the I. HRB is also going to lodge an appeal for undue leniency of the punishment. Mm. So very much pulling in two separate directions here, these appeals. How will this end? I mean, they're going back to war here, Luke Coma versus the IHRB. They're not done with each other yet in this dogfight. No, no, no. It's a, it's, it's a dogfight. But essentially, it's a dogfight that Comer can't lose, right? Because if they... I mean, his good name. I mean, it's a, it's a, one's, one's good name is, is is very important, of course. But in terms of affecting <laughs> the running of his yard, it doesn't matter if they ban him for a hundred years because it'll just be a different name on the license, and business will will continue as, as usual under greater scrutiny. Um, you, you would hope, and indeed, I I would imagine. So, I mean, I, I, in fairness, I'm not sure what the authorities could do unless you want to get into a position where you're saying right we're not just uh, taking away the license of a guy who's only in the country three months of the year at most well but we're actually going to shut down the yard but i mean that gets into all sorts of problems doesn't it in 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 terms of where do the horses go who do they go to i mean luke comer could cope with this of course because he's because he's a billionaire but if you set a precedent and maybe people who who don't have that kind of money and you say we're shutting down this yard it could cause all sorts of complications so it it is a tricky situation in, in terms of there's a punishment but there's no effective punishment, really, is there? Uh, and, 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 uh, they, 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 effect, they effectively punished their old Rona McNally. They dis- yeah, disqual- yeah. disqualified him, and he yeah. just spray his horses elsewhere. Um, yeah, and that that'll ultimately be the be the like like we said last week. It'll be the comparison forevermore. You know what about McNally? You know that'll be Aww. that'll be the cry every time there's a punishment handed out. What about McNally? And, and it's it's completely reasonable and fair because you know pr- pr- proportionality should be key to any um, form of justice and punishment, shouldn't it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But even if they gave Comer eight years, it's not actually going to make any difference, is it? No, like, I no, see but, they, but but I they, see but they could. But they could, and maybe they wanted to. You know, Daryl Lachlan made the point, and Daryl Lachlan, in fairness, then came across very well again on Look on Sunday um, when speaking about this. And, you know, Nick asked him the question, you know, because you have to remember, it isn't the IHRB as such dishing out this punishment. It's the it's the referrals committee, which is independent. You know, the IHRB are there as the prosecution pushing for a conviction and a punishment, but they don't get to decide. And he was asked the question, you know, in your personal opinion, do you think that uh, the you know the, the punishment should have been heavier? And he essentially said yes. You know yeah, that they would yeah. have been put. They would have been pushing for a heavier punishment. Um, 
and and look at it's going to it's going to it's going to be a long time playing out. I'd say it's going to be another big money appeal. And the solicitors will be popping bottles of champagne. The international experts will be dancing to dancing their way to Ireland again. Yes. Um, and yeah, look, my my view on it was that that um, the punishment was pretty lenient. He got off got off easily. Um, when you when you put it up against other um other punishments for far less worrying cases. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's see how it, let's see how it pans out. All to be continued, which is exactly how we wrapped up talking about Luke Coma case this time last week. Uh, but it will roll on and we will be covering it on this podcast. Uh, TC, last news topic to discuss is another man who's got plenty of name checks on this podcast over the last few months. But James Horton and specifically John Dance. Obviously, John Dance's horses have been running under Coverdale Stud and Titanium Racing ownership banners. And now they have been banned from running, which means that James Horton essentially can't run any of the horses in his yard. He's announced that he's going to obviously split with the John Dance connection, move back to Newmarket to try and restart his kind of not really properly started training career, poor lad, because of the John Dance situation. But it does beg the question whether... You know, should those horses have been allowed to run through this summer? Obviously, they were allowed to run from sort of, was it May? And then we've had an issue here because one of the horses was sold. And then where does the proceeds of the winnings, of, of sorry, of the sale go to? It's just all very messy. And it's been very, I, I personally think it's kind of been very unclear. And now they've banned them altogether. I don't know what's going on here because obviously <laughs> in mid-May, they allowed... Coverdale Racing and uh, sorry, Coverdale Stud and Titanium Racing to actually continue racing the horses. I just naturally assumed that any proceeds that that horses um, you know, accrued would go to the FCA, you know, to sort of the creditors, etc. But it seems like that's not the case because uh, after Sacred Angel was sold after winning at the Newmarket July meeting, it seems like the Titanium Racing Club expected the proceeds of that sale to go to them and their members. But yeah. that's not the case. So I, I don't know what's going on here. Now, it seems like, again, from afar, it seems like the BHA are very, very muddled about this. Um, well, it is an unprecedented case, really, isn't it? I mean... It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... But if, if they're talking about alleged non-payments to Titanium Racing members on the back of the Sacred Angels sale... I mean, surely that's John Dance's money going out of the FCA's credit and the creditor's hands to somebody else, and surely that's what they tried to stop when they when they banned him from having horses running his own name in May. It's I'm at a total loss here about what. Well, I, th- I think I think the racing club it isn't John Dance as such. You know, it has members that paid. Um, I think John Dance like had had some role in it, but I don't oh, think I, it I was. Think he had a, uh, I, I had a conversation with him with someone in, in May. Uh, might have been Megan O'Brien. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a I had some DMs with her about what was going on, and John Dance. I I think she made it very clear that John Dance was her boss and he was central to that club. So mm. again. It just seemed, I don't know what's going on, to be perfectly honest. I've read everything about it and I'm still none of the wiser. Okay. Uh, Kevin, can you add any more details or help sort of 
demystify some of this. I mean, it makes sense to me that they can't run in the sense of because of the confusion. And now there is no confusion because the horses aren't running. And I presume they will all be sold at the upcoming sales. Yeah, like a fair few dance horses have already been sold kind of quietly there at um at the, yeah. the July sale in Newmarket and that through, through the national store of like I suspect the, a, a huge heap of them will get sold over the coming months. Um I wonder will Lawrence turn up at a sale? Um probably gonna happen. Um yeah, so look it it is what it is. You'd you'd feel sorry for James Horton. Um and he would have went into this in in good faith, you know, wonderful opportunity for for a young guy looking to to make a career. And um, he's had a kind of a nightmare year. So, um, look, hopefully he can he can put this behind them and get restarted in Newmarket next year, and um, and get some support and drive on. Um, but this is a giant mess, and it'll it'll all play out in due course. I'm sure you know legally, and uh, but we we already have figures in terms of how much money, uh, how much of a black hole there is. It's something like eighty million pounds or something like that. You know, it's, it's obviously progressed quite a bit already because it was it was already published publicly how much you know investors are expected to get back you know something like 20 percent of their money at best and it's uh it just sounds like a giant mess now there's going to be some pretty hefty legal ramifications you'd imagine um so yeah as we always say vanessa never a dull day in this great game oh i thought you were going to wrap up there with as we always say vanessa lessons will be learned but on that note we will move on and finish i think guys unless anyone has anything else to mention no i think that's about it and so we'll be back with racing any better of course on thursday ahead of what will be a big week of ra- a weekend of racing obviously that arc meeting taking place loads of grade ones uh, over in France next weekend and plenty of other stuff to get stuck into too so we'll be back on Thursday with Racing Any Better and then you must also watch out for TC's 8am briefing uh, on Twitter Spaces on Saturday morning too so stay tuned for that all coming your way loads of uh, Betfair content for you but for now as always boys thank you for your contributions listeners and viewers out there thank you very much join us again on Thursday for Racing Any Better have a good week